The title of this morning's message is God Ministers Seed and Bread Hilariously. <laughs> For, oh my gosh, about six weeks now, the Lord's been talking to me about seed, you know, and in particular, the seed of the Word of God. So when I went to prepare for this message, I started looking up all the places where there is the word seed. And as a surprise to me, <laughs> he had a different kind of seed in mind. So we're going to talk about seed this morning. The last time I ministered, one of the things I touched on was how everything we do in our life is a seed and that those seeds produce fruit or consequences. It is you plant something and there is a reaction. There is something that happens because of what you've done. Galatians 6.8 For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Nobody wants that. <laughs> but he that soweth to the Spirit of the Spirit shall reap everlasting life. That's what we all want is the everlasting life. I love the Greek words for those two words, life everlasting, everlasting life. I always get my translations all mixed up, so. <laughs> life is Zoe life, God's kind and quality of life. Okay, so God came to live inside of us. He gave us his very life so that we could experience life, his kind and quality of life. And the word everlasting just means perpetually. It means like from now until forever. Perpetually, I want you to be experiencing God's kind of life. So the same principle of sowing and reaping applies to financial seeds. Now, if God had told me in the beginning that I would be speaking on giving money, I would say, no, no, God, we need to do something else. <laughs> but this is what the Lord gave me this week. The same principle applies to sowing and reaping in the financial realm. We can sow according to the Spirit of God, which is love, or we can sow according to the flesh, which is self-centered. And where we sow from determines our harvest. Now, it wasn't some TV evangelist that came up with this idea of calling financial giving sowing seed. It was actually the Apostle Paul who first gave us this concept that giving financially is a seed. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, it says this. This is the King James. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I also have it in the Amplified for you to see because there's a lot in there. <laughs> and sometimes a more contemporary translation helps us to see what's all in there. So it says, now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, will provide and multiply your seed for sowing, that is, your resources, and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. We can sow by love, by the Spirit, or we can sow by the flesh. Not a good idea. <laughs> the context of chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians is that Paul, Timothy, and Titus are involved in picking up an offering from the Gentile Corinthians. You know those Corinthians <laughs> who were all a mess? <laughs> it turns out they had big hearts, okay? These Gentile Corinthians had promised Paul a very generous offering. And the saints in Jerusalem were experiencing a famine, so there were lots of Jewish believers. Now, see, you got to get that. Paul is talking to Gentile believers saying, the Jews need you. <laughs> the Jews need your love to help them in their time of need. You know how miraculous that is? <laughs> God would call on Gentiles to meet the need of a Jew. That would be hard for a Jew if they didn't have Christ. Okay? So this is a miraculous thing in and of all by itself. So Paul, what he does is he sends Titus ahead of him. Paul is not asking them, for money outside of the fact that they've already promised it. He's asking them to fulfill their promise. He's not knocking on doors going, we need money, we need money, we need money. He's saying, no, this was your idea. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send Titus there and have him remind you of your promise. 
he goes on to say that one of the reasons he's sending Titus ahead is that because he has been bragging to the Macedonians about how generous the Gentiles in Corinth are. And so when they come, because some of the Macedonians are going to come with them, and it just so happens that the Macedonians have excelled in the grace of giving. <laughs> and so he's bragging to the good givers. I know some really good givers. <laughs> come with me and come see the good givers. Okay? So that's what's going on here. That's our context. And so they're reminding them that they're coming and to please prepare for their gift. Paul says that he's basically doing this to spare himself and the Corinthians embarrassment. Because we're only here because you promised. <laughs> we're only here because you said you would help. You said you wanted to. So that's really the only reason we're here. We don't want you to feel embarrassed if we show up and you don't have it. They're like, oh, I meant to go to the store, get that stuff for the missionaries. I meant to do that. <laughs> you know, not because they weren't willing, but because they could simply have forgotten. So he's just reminding everybody of the promises they've made and the need for their offering for those in Jerusalem. So while he's reminding them of the circumstances and why he's doing what he's doing, he also encourages them in their giving. He says, since giving is your idea, I want to encourage you <laughs> in your giving. <laughs> so Paul relates their giving to a seed. He reminds them that God is the one who gives them both seed and bread. And those two things are different. God will give you stuff for you to give. Plus, he'll feed you. <laughs> he'll meet your need. God likes to give to those who give because giving has a purpose. And anyway, those two things are different. What they give, he wants them to know, will be multiplied back to them. All of this is found beginning in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with 5. Therefore, he says, I thought it necessary to exhort, to encourage the brethren, that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now, the word bounty here is the Greek word eulogia, and it means technically to speak well or to speak blessing or praise. Now, you might say, well, how do we get from speaking blessing or praise to the word bounty? Often what the Greeks did is when it was translated, they would either use the original meaning to speak well of, to bless, okay? We bless people with our words. Or they would say that's the beginning of bless. The ending of bless is something good. See, when we speak blessing over somebody, if we bless you in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is God's going to do something good to you. <laughs> that's what it means to speak blessing, that we speak blessing over people God's going to do something good to you. It doesn't mean I necessarily will, but it means God will. <laughs> so since he's tying this in with their promise of a generous gift, he's saying what you're going to end up giving is bounty. It's blessing. It's abundance. So it includes all of them. The idea of speaking of abundance and largeness of a gift, which always results in praise and thanksgiving to God. You see, the blessing ends up with blessing God. The blessing brings forth something you need, something you desire, and the end of that is goes right back to God. We bless, people are blessed, the people who are blessed give praise to God. <laughs> they bless Him. It's a big circle, just like sowing seed. <laughs> so, what he's saying here is that he would like this offering to be from the heart of blessing and not wrestled from them because of somebody's covetousness. When you look up this word covetousness, it equates it to the word extortion. <laughs> you ever feel like somebody was extorting money from you, taking your arm and saying, you will give, you have to give, God will spank you, he will be mad at you, he will not bless you unless you give. Paul says, that is not <laughs> what I want you to feel. He says, I want you to have a heart that wants to give, that wants to bless somebody else. Um, the extortion is always taking something by force. Now, in this case, it could include 
Paul using his spiritual authority as an apostle. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Gentiles. They've never tithed a day in their life. That's not in their vocabulary. Tithe? <laughs> what are you talking about? So he's talking to Gentiles who say, I want you to be able to give not based on a commandment, not based on my spiritual authority that says you will give this much or that much. He says, I want you to look in your own heart and bless people according to your heart. In the past, my understanding was if you did not tithe, you were under the curse. That's the word of faith. Now, I am a word of faith girl. Don't get me wrong. I learned lots of things from the word of faith ministers. I needed what they had to teach me. But we are not under the old covenant. And the old covenant did not dribble piece by piece into the new covenant. <laughs> so often we as believers, we take laws back there, principles even, and we try to cram them into the new covenant. That's a problem because <laughs> it doesn't work. They use that kind of thinking to force people to feel like if I don't give, my business will fail. If I don't give, my children will be sick. If I don't give, I come under the curse. And what am I going to do then? You see, when we understand old covenant was do good, be blessed. New covenant, be blessed, do good. <laughs> be blessed, do good. <laughs> it's a whole different mindset. And so this is what he's trying to talk to these Gentile believers about how we should approach giving. I was watching a minister on TV, somebody I dearly love. They went on in the course of their program to tell their listeners that you cannot expect God to heal you if you haven't tithed. I was like, what? What? What happened to new covenant? What happened to grace? What happened to God loves me and wants to meet my need? What happened to all of that? As horrible as that sounds, that kind of message is being mixed into the church. That if you don't give, you will pay. Old covenant. Old covenant says if you don't give your tithe, 20% will come up missing. That's what the old covenant says. Okay? Not our covenant. Not our covenant. Not our covenant. Ours is we get it all. Now use it. <laughs> Our healing is free. It's not based on anything we do. He likes us just the way we are. He's the one that changes when something needs to be changed. It's him in us. It's not us producing. It's all about this brand new covenant where everything is ours in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is only wanting these Gentiles to do what's in their heart. He wants them to finish what they started. That's a good principle. <laughs> finish what you start. If you make a promise, probably should fulfill the promise. That's all he's asking. But what he does is he wants to encourage them to know that you can't give anything in the name of Jesus Christ and come up empty. You never lose by loving. You never lose by giving with a heart to bless. So he tells them, though, there is a direct correlation to what they can expect from God when they sow. Not because of the amount given, but because of the condition of their heart. In verse 6 of the same chapter, it says this, But I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Now, people usually interpret this to mean that if I only give a small amount, then God will make sure I reap only a small amount. <laughs> but if I want God to give me a large return on my seed, then I need to sow a really big seed. That's not the point of this verse. <laughs> Let me show you it in the Young's literal translation. And this, he said, he who is sowing sparingly sparingly also shall reap. And he who is sowing in blessings, in blessings also shall reap. 
Now, I like this a lot. If they had left this translation in most Bibles, people wouldn't get confused about giving. I like it, one, because it accurately states what we reap. We reap blessings, not more money, necessarily. Okay? A blessing is something we recognize as coming from our Father's hand and heart. It can include money, but it is not necessarily money. And often, it is something money could never even buy. That's a blessing. It puts it into a constant present tense. It says, he who is sowing in blessing, in reaping in blessings, shall also reap. It's a, again, an entire cycle. He says, what you give, as far as out of your heart, that's going to come back to you. Because love always multiplies itself. Always. So either we are sowing to the spirit through love, or we are sowing to the flesh through selfishness. So what does this word sparingly mean? Let's look at it in the Strong's Concordance. Sparingly means stingily. It doesn't mean small amounts. You could be a gazillionaire <laughs> and give $1,000 and still be doing it stingily. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. Remember the widow, the two mites? Jesus says, this woman has given more than all of you rich people. He didn't say they didn't give or that they didn't give abundantly. They could be giving abundantly, but he says, you give with a different motive. She gave with a motive of love. She gave out of her need. Who does she give to? To the father who just happens to love her, <laughs> who saw what she put in that offering, who says, oh, baby, you just wait. I will bless your giving. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when we go into the next verse, is that everything we give comes from someplace in our heart. Verse 7, every man according as he purposeth. Now, I left my notes in here for you to see. What does it mean to purposeth? <laughs> it means to choose for yourself beforehand. You see, so often believers wait <laughs> they come to church and they go, hmm, how much should I give God? Well, depending on what church you go to, you might get your arm twisted. You might be threatened with sickness and disease. You might be threatened with disaster. Or you might be condemned and told, you know, you need to toe the line a little harder. You're falling way short. Purpose beforehand. Why? Because then way nobody can talk you out of your gift. What have you purposed in your heart and God said, give this huge gift? Well, usually we talk ourselves out of those pretty quickly anyway. <laughs> Satan will try to talk you out of loving people because that's what giving is. Giving is loving people and God. So it says, let every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Now the words there, let him so give, are not there. And this is why I think people misunderstand. is because the translators, in an effort to help us understand the scripture, have really messed it up. <laughs> He's not talking about the giving part. He's talking about the heart part. He says, let him purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. See, with the little help that the translators give us, it puts the emphasis on the giving instead of on the heart. And God says, no, the emphasis is always on our heart. Now, grudgingly and of necessity speak to the emotions inside of us. Grudgingly speaks of sadness and grief. In other words, giving makes you feel bad. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to die or God will curse me. He's like, that's not my desire for you. That's not what I want from you. Okay. The other one is of necessity. Means to feel like you have to. I've heard some ministers say it means to speak to somebody's need. Don't let somebody tell you about a need and then you go and answer that need. You need to you know, seek the Lord separately. You know. Okay, the Holy Spirit lives in us all the time. Talks to us all the time. Okay. And so that's why he says prepare ahead of time so no one can talk you out of your gift no matter the size of the gift. He just doesn't want them to feel like they have 
too. You see, sometimes when somebody we know and love has a need, there's this, oh, I have to. They're a relative. <laughs> oh, I have to. He goes, no, no, you don't. I don't want you to give because you think you have to. I want you to give because you want to. So that speaks of making people feel like it's absolutely necessary that they have to do it. They don't have an option to choose, which is not what God wants. So the giving is not coming from a desire to bless someone if you have the, I have to, or God's going to be mad if I don't, or my husband might lose his job if I don't pay my tithe, or all of those old covenant kinds of thinking. So that kind of thinking comes from the fact that they believe they are bound to follow the law instead of following the Spirit. Giving should always be an opportunity to bless, not given out of compulsion. What most of the body of Christ does these days in an effort to get people to give, because guess what? Churches need money. Ministries need money. Charities need money. Everybody needs money. <laughs> so in order to support ministries, they encourage people to give. Just like the Apostle Paul, he was encouraging them to give. Okay, sometimes it goes a little too far and it goes from encouragement to condemnation to beating you up to <laughs> making you feel like you have to give when actually you don't. So anyway, what they do is they tell people you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. You have to tithe. You have to tithe or you're robbing God. Where is that found? Old covenant. <laughs> Not our covenant. Okay? Not our covenant. We don't have to give a tent. But we can if we want to. I encourage tithing. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> um, I had a friend call me once and said, okay, under grace, I'm not under the commandment to tithe. She said, but, you know, asking God every week, God, what is it you want me to give? God, I, and she's like, can I just tithe? It's just easier. I said, yes. However you purpose in your heart, you and God make it the decision how much you're going to give or not give. Under the new covenant, we can choose to tithe or not choose to tithe based on our knowledge and understanding and the goodness of God and what the Holy Spirit ministers to us. What my husband and I have found is that we can't outgive God. We are tithers. God taught us giving with an old covenant mindset. But we found out something pretty quickly. You can't outgive God. You can't outbless Him. He will bless you. Maybe not the way you thought, but He will always bless you. We are tithers, but our giving is based on wanting to bless those into whom we sow. We don't give because it's an obligation. We look at giving as an opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God and change people's life. That's what giving is about. I want, just for a second here, to show you what most of you have already seen. And this is our slide for Podbean. Our messages are on Podbean and iTunes and Spotify. And most of you know, but you know what? The people who listen online, they don't hear the things you hear. So I want them to hear what's happening with their giving. What does their seed do? Because, you see, all of these people that are hearing the gospel, that's not because of Mark and I and Pastor Steve. That's because people gave so that we could send the gospel of grace around the world. Over 50 countries have listened in to these messages online. Eight Canadian provinces and virtually every state in the United States, somebody has been listening to the message of grace. When God said go into all of the world, guess what? You are going into all the world because you support triumphant grace. You are changing people's life. And when you understand grace and you understand how a dramatic a revelation it is and how it changes absolutely everything in your life, that's what you're doing with your giving. You're changing lives. And those people are changing other people's lives. The blessing just keeps going and going. That's what giving is about. One of the things I like about this passage of Scripture is that it does not say, keep your money. Don't even try to be a blessing. <laughs> no, it simply points the person back to their own heart 
because God promises a blessing in giving. Okay, so somebody may be thinking, I'm, maybe it's a tenth, maybe they're tithers, and they're expecting good seed to come back to them, good blessings to come back to them, but they're thinking, you know, financially, and it doesn't happen. What happens when it doesn't happen? Well, they stop believing that God is good because they did their part. They gave a tenth. God's fallen down on the job. That's not it at all. The problem is always our stingy heart. <laughs> our heart says, no, you owe me. Hmm. Everything is of grace, right? It's faith that apprehends what God has already freely given. But God says, if you will be my hands and feet, I will give through you. I will save people through you. I will change the world through you. So he tells them that giving stingily produces a small blessing in return. And it's not because of the size, it's because of the heart. The heart isn't actually believing for the grace of God to show up in their life. They think they've made God their debtor. God, now you owe me. I knew a man years ago who kept track of everything he gave God. Everything he gave at church, to charity, kept a, a running total. And said, okay, God, you've got to multiply it 30, 60, or 90 fold. Come on. Come on, God. Guess what? Never came. <laughs> we cannot make God our debtor. We get to cooperate with God in changing the world. We get to cooperate with God in helping people. We get to cooperate with Him. He doesn't owe us anything. We never make Him a debtor to us by our giving. Now, there's a reason that the Apostle Paul wants people to know that God will bless you in accordance with your giving, your loving. You see, like the widow with the two mites, she obviously trusted and loved the Father enough to trust him with her very life and gave her last two mites away. That's love and faith in the Father. It's not about amount. It's about what is your heart. Because God says, I will answer your heart. I will answer your heart. You, well, you know what that means? There is no limit on how he will bless you. If we say, this is my gift, God. I've purposed this in my heart. I believe this is what you're telling me to give. God says, you can bank on it somewhere in the future. There is a blessing with your name on it. Okay? And that's because the rest of verse 9 says this. God loveth a cheerful, hilarious giver. <laughs> the word cheerful in the Strong's Concordance is hilarious. And it says it means cheerful, propitious, or merry. Those things just mean the same thing. And in parentheses, it has hilarious. It includes the idea of being prompt and willing. It carries the idea of great happiness and laughter. Can you just see it? The offering basket is brought out, and everybody starts laughing. And everybody's like, yay, we get to give God. We get to change the world. Let me be first. You ever seen an offering like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> God said, that's the kind of giving I want you to experience. That's my heart. I can't wait to bless you. Just give me any little seed. Give me something to work with, something to put in motion, something I can grow. Let me bring great joy and happiness and laughter into your life because of your gift. Because your gift simply shows that you love and trust the Father and his goodness. Now, we might not rejoice and laugh and take that kind of joy in our giving, but our Father does. Our Father loves when we are givers because that's who he is. So why does God love this kind of giver, a cheerful giver, a hilarious giver? Because that's who he is. Truth is, God loves all givers alike. He loves the givers and the non-givers. His love is based on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what he's saying is, it's just so like me. <laughs> it's just so who I am that I want to bless you, that your heart overflows with thanksgiving and praises for God because of who he is. Because of who he is. God is a hilarious giver. He loves to pour out his blessing, especially on his kids.
So a hilarious giver knows how good God is and is happy to be a blessing to somebody else. Being a blessing is when we choose to demonstrate the absolutely free loving kindness of God to someone else. It's called grace. And when we sow in grace, grace is multiplied back to us. Next verse. And God is able to make all grace, and I left the word super in there for you. Translators tend to try to be as concise as possible. And so, especially with the Apostle Paul, they like to take out all of his extra emphasis. <laughs> when he purposely put all that extra emphasis in there for us, he says, that grace isn't just going to abound. Grace is going to super abound toward you. That ye, having all sufficiency, what? Grace gives me my sufficiency? Mm -hmm. In all things may abound to every good work. Ah, I am blessed to be a blessing. Mm, it's right there. <laughs> I want you to see this word, though, super abound. Strong's Concordance, it is perisuo. And it's a hilarious word. <laughs> it just goes right in there with God being a hilarious giver. Because a hilarious giver is a superabounding giver. It means to superabound in quantity or quality, to be in excess, to be superfluous, to also to cause to superabound or excel or make better or make more, make abound, have more, have more abundance, be more abundant, be the better, enough and to spare, exceed, excel, increase over and above. That is no small word. <laughs> that is a hilarious word. God says, I am able to give you grace beyond your imagination. God's free favor, God's free love, God's free kindness. I love the word loving kindness because it so describes him. Loving is his heart and kindness is his hand. And it's all for free, all for believing that he is that good. This is a big and extravagant word. And God is able to do this. And he wants, he wants to do this. But our heart has to be able to receive it. A stingy heart doesn't trust in God's goodness and grace. So it doesn't receive all the goodness and grace that is available. But you still get blessed. He still says, I'm going to get blessing to you no matter what you give. But when we believe that God can't help but be good to us, that it's just who he is, that he's just looking for an opportunity to bless us even more than we already are, then being gracious and giving becomes easy. We can choose to be a hilarious giver. The Apostle Paul, like any good teacher, gives us a scripture to support what he's teaching. He's quoting Psalms 112 verse 9, which says this, As it is written, He, God, hath dispersed abroad. He, God, hath given to the poor. His, God's, righteousness remaineth forever. In other words, God gives to the poor through people. We don't see God sprinkling money from heaven. I've never had money come down from heaven. Anybody here? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Even though God is the source of the giving, it comes to those in need through people. And giving to those in need is a righteous, godly thing to do. In fact, God will give to us for the express purpose of sowing seed into someone else's life. This applies to the church as well as to individuals. This offering that they were picking up was to help the saints, the church, in Jerusalem. So all giving falls into the category of being a seed. I like that because forever the tithe was a bill. <laughs> it was something I had to do if I wanted to be under God's good favor. Now, I knew enough way back then that I was trusting my father and not my giving. I knew that he was good and he would make a way. So everything we sow is a seed and can bring forth a harvest. It's not based on the amount. It's based on the heart. What can our heart believe? Do we believe God is a hilarious giver towards us? Yes, 
That's what we got to believe, that God is hilarious. He's laughing and having a good time giving into your life. He loves it. Now, there are some who will say, I don't have anything to give. I can't afford to give. To those, the Apostle Paul has an answer in the next verse. Now he, God, that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Again, I want you to see it in the Amplified. Now he who provides seed for the sower. What's the qualification? Am I a sower? He says, if you're a sower, I will give you seed so that you can sow. Okay, so that's where we get into the blessing coming back sometimes in the form of money. He says, if you're a sower, I'm going to get you some seed and bread, which is our daily needs. And I will multiply your seed for sowing. In other words, if you like to give, if you like to bless, if you like to love, I will give you more so that you can love people more, so you can help people in need, so you can help the church, so you can send the gospel. So I will bless you for what you do. I will take that seed and multiply it. Not only does he multiply it in our lives, but hey, it goes into that person's life. And then it's multiplied again. Giving by love multiplies everywhere it's sowed. Now the word ministereth is a funny word. And here, another hilarious word. <laughs> the word ministereth is the Greek word epikoreigio. It is where we get our word choreographer. Okay? That's where we get that word. It comes from two separate words, epi, which means over and above and upon, and choreago, to be a dance leader. That is, to furnish, give, or minister. Now, when I saw this, I thought, dance leader? That is a funny word. <laughs> how does being a dance leader and fully supply, how do they get that meaning out of that? Because that doesn't equate to me. So I had to do some homework. In ancient Greece, the dance leader was in charge of leading a chorus of dancers and singers and actors in stage productions. The Greeks had elaborate and expensive productions. The dance leader, the choreographer, was responsible to lead and furnish or completely supply everything needed for a grand stage production. So they not only financially provided absolutely everything that was needed, but they also orchestrated everything that happened on stage. He gave directions regarding the steps to be taken, the costumes to be worn, and the songs to be sung in order for the production to be abundantly successful. So what we don't see is that the Apostle Paul is saying, this is what God does for us. He completely and fully supplies everything we need, including the steps we need to take. Just like a choreographer, in order to walk in what he has already fully supplied to us through the Lord Jesus, we need to follow his steps. Our Father is a gracious dance leader who is able to direct, orchestrate, and multiply our seeds into blessings. Again, a blessing is when we see our Father's heart, and his hand in answering our needs and even our wants. A blessing is when we recognize that God has answered and has done for us what we could not have done for ourselves. It's all of grace. It's all because of his unmerited favor, his absolutely free, loving kindness towards us. Our Father has already provided everything we need for life and godliness through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. But it is only apprehended by our faith, which, by the way, worketh by love. God's love for us is the foundation of our faith. When we understand how much he loves us and others, then we know we can trust him with our seeds and with our bread. Now, most of us aren't farmers, so we don't think like farmers. <laughs> we tend to think like consumers. When we need bread, we go to the store to buy it. We don't go buy seeds and plant wheat because that would take way too long and it would not meet the present need. So seeds are for a future harvest that God says you will definitely reap eventually. It's a promise. 
not necessarily in money, but in blessings. And what are blessings? Things only God can do. Him showing us his heart and his hand. If we sow in order to bless someone else, then blessing is what we will reap or harvest. This principle is always at work. God is always at work on our behalf. But it's not a formula. This is where some people get into trouble in the area of giving. First, they think that they will have an instant return. I'm going to sow my tithe on Sunday, and then you know, Monday afternoon, I'm getting a check for tenfold, thirtyfold, some obscene amount of money. <laughs> we'll be there tomorrow. And it doesn't work. Seeds in the natural realm take time. God is at work on our behalf. He sees what you sowed, and he's got a blessing in mind. When you sowed, you operated in love and faith, knowing that God is good. So all we have to do is believe God's taking care of my bread and my seed. This, unfortunately, this thinking that money will be returned to them <laughs> immediately has gotten believers into a bad place. It's really bad theology <laughs> to think that we can control God with our giving. Everything we have is by God's grace. We don't give as a means of getting. You see, we give in order to bless someone else. With God, motive is everything. That's why the Apostle Paul says, those who sow from a stingy heart, which is really a greedy heart, reap stingily because we reap in proportion to our love, not according to our gift. I personally have known people over the years who have given large monetary gifts, both to churches and individuals. And that person never did reap great monetary gifts in return. And I believe it's because they approached giving as a way of making more money. Because it sounds that well, if I give, God will multiply my seed for sowing. He's going to increase my resources, which is exactly what it says. But see, like Paul is trying to say here, it's all about your heart. If you think you can maneuver or manipulate God into giving you stuff, <laughs> you are mistaken. You don't know nothing. <laughs> okay? And unfortunately, too many wonderful, spirit-filled Christians are under this understanding that I'm cursed if I don't tithe. I'm cursed if I don't give in a certain amount. I have to, or God will be mad. I won't be pleasing. Instead of relying on the fact that, no, God calls us to be a blessing. He blesses us to be a blessing. So it is the purpose behind the gift that determines the harvest, not the amount of the gift. Nevertheless, God says he will ministereth seed to us. He will fully supply and orchestrate things in our lives so that we will have something to bless someone else with. He will bring us seed if we are willing to sow it. And it also says that he will also ministereth, fully supply, orchestrate, and give us the steps that we need to take so that our daily needs are met as well. A choreographer shows you the steps you need to take for a particular performance. We have a heavenly choreographer who knows how to orchestrate blessings to us and blessings through us. I love the word ministereth, that hilarious word, because of the idea of a dance leader. Imagine Jesus is your dance leader. Is that funny? That's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I like that because giving is supposed to be a joyful experience. We're supposed to give out of love and in order to bless someone else. Unfortunately, with some of the teaching in, in the body of Christ today, believers tend to think that giving or tithing works like a magic wand. I was one of those Christians a long time ago. Because I heard the word of faith, give and it will be given unto you. Oh, that's the word of God. God doesn't lie. So if I give, then God's going to wave a magic wand somewhere and make money come back to me. <laughs> and I found out really quickly, that does not work. <laughs> but I didn't understand why it didn't work. I didn't understand that I was under a misunderstanding of thinking that I controlled what God gave to me by my giving. I was a faithful tither, but money just didn't seem to ever come back. <laughs> so I was like, why does this not work? No, I never went hungry. I never went without. I was always walking in blessing, but I didn't understand why the money 
the magic wand, I tithe, didn't work. And it's because it's not a magic wand. <laughs> what I found is that God not only provided me with opportunities for sowing, he provided me with opportunities for reaping. Ah, sometimes believers don't recognize the great choreographer bringing opportunities to them. <laughs> and they don't take advantage of those opportunities. And then they cry to God, God, you're falling down on the job. I don't have any bread. You said you're going to ministereth bread. See, if we understand that the word ministereth means I'm going to orchestrate and choreograph everything in your life so that you will be at the right place at the right time to meet the right people to get the right things that you need. That's part of the blessing. That's part of the reaping that he enables us to cooperate with him in getting money to us. So he provided lots of opportunities. Back in the day, I was very poor <laughs> when I was first learning all of these things. But I found very quickly that God would bless me through different means other than money. God gave me opportunities like full-time job instead of a part-time job, a better job, an odd job, food pantries, grants, scholarships, open doors, and even hailstorms. Yep, God gave me a hailstorm. I had to put that in there because I want to tell you my hailstorm story. Years ago, after all my kids were in school, I went back to college. And we only had one car at the time, which made everything. If you only have one car, you know how hard it is to get everybody where they need to be. <laughs> okay? We needed, desperately needed another car. But there was no way for us to afford one. We just didn't have the money. So one day I'm praying to the Lord in the car. God is always in the car, in case you didn't know. If you need to, need to hear God, get in your car and go for a drive, and he will talk to you in the car, because he's always in there. <laughs> so I'm talking to the Lord, and it starts to rain. And I have this funny thought. God, you can do anything. You know that song, old hymn, Showers of Blessing? <laughs> hmm. God, you can send me a shower blessing. I said, God, I know it's crazy, but will you please rain me a car from heaven because there's no other way for me to get one. <laughs> Guess what he did? Guess what he did? Now, I don't think he brought the hailstorm. He just knew it was coming. <laughs> what happened was we had this hailstorm and our car got hail damage. You know, it got those little dimples all over it. So it wasn't even my idea. It was my husband's idea. He said, let's put in a claim against the hail damage. Okay, so we did. Well, guess what? It was enough to buy a second used car. And I just said, God, you are funny. You are hilarious. You rained me a car from heaven. Do you know that that's actually impossible? But you did it. God is a hilarious giver. He loves to go, yep. I can use that. Here's an opportunity. How about this one over here? He's sending stuff to us all the time. Opportunities to be blessed and to be a blessing. Like I said before, I don't believe God sent the hailstorm. But I do believe he knew what was coming and he used it to answer my prayer. There is no limit to how creative God can be in answering our prayers for provision. And sometimes those prayers are answered indirectly by providing us an opportunity to reap. So we just need to follow the steps of the great choreographer and he will lead us to our blessing. Now, sometimes those prayers are answered in a more direct way. God has also brought me anonymous groceries. You ever get anonymous groceries? Raining blessings from heaven again. I left my house not having enough money for groceries. I came back to my house and on my front porch is filled with groceries. God is hilarious. Not only did he give me anonymous groceries, but from time to time I would find anonymous money in my mailbox. But mostly what I received was lots of help and love through family and friends who loved me and wanted to bless me. God works through people, loving people. God uses people to bless his people. Now, I didn't earn any of those blessings with my giving. <laughs> I was a tither, but it was a small tithe. <laughs> I didn't earn anything. But God, the great dance leader, the great choreographer, choreographed, orchestrated, 
and fully supplied my many blessings because he loves me. And because he loves me, he ministereth to my daily needs. And not just to my daily needs. Sometimes he even throws in my wants <laughs> because he's an hilarious giver. Because I know that God is an hilarious giver, I don't have to be afraid to sow financially into an offering. I can choose to purpose in my heart beforehand what and how to give. I can ask my father what he wants me to give and where he wants me to give. My trust is not in my giving. It's in my father, who just happens to be an hilarious giver. He is the great dance leader, the great choreographer, the great orchestrator, the great provider, and the great, great lover of my soul. The remaining part of chapter 9, the Apostle Paul continues to assure the Corinthians that their gifts will cause the Jewish believers in Jerusalem to greatly praise God for his provision through them. I'll tell you right now, I bless God for everything that's in the offering. We recognize when someone sows into this ministry that that's love, that that's God moving on you to bless so that we can go ahead and continue blessing the whole world with the gospel of grace. He goes on, he says that they, the believers in Jerusalem, they will see the hand of the Father, that the people in Jerusalem will see that what they do for them is actually God's hand and heart extended to them. God disperses. The people on the receiving end will then turn to God and praise God for the blessing that they have received. We can never lose by acting and giving in love because that is exactly the way our Father gives to us. I was going to give you a testimony, but it would take 20 minutes, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll let you out of here and get some lunch. But I encourage you to change your mind about giving. If you don't have a good time giving, practice. Practice being a hilarious giver. Understand that whatever you give, God is going to multiply it, not just to you, but to others. God is a hilarious giver, and he invites us to join into the hilarity <laughs> and rejoice that our seeds make a difference. They are changing people's lives all over the world. Amen? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are, you are hilarious. You love to show us how big you are and how strong you are and how much you love us by the most crazy ways. Groceries from heaven and cars from heaven. God, you are always at work orchestrating on our behalf to get us to the right place at the right time so we can bless people who need to be blessed. You are able to take this gospel all over the world. Father, we thank you that there's somebody in China listening to Triumphant Grace. We thank you that there's people in India listening to Triumphant Grace. We thank you, Father God, that nowhere in this world does there never need to be a gap in somebody hearing the gospel of God's amazing grace. Father, we thank you. We give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. In Jesus' name, amen.